All right, it's Monday. You know what that means. It's time for another Guardians of the Future podcast. Uh, the, the Big League Guardians had a fantastic weekend. Colorado sleeping the Rockies. They took two or three from the LA Dodgers. Uh, things are going really well there. You're seeing Stephen Kwan and Richie Palacios and Owen Miller and Josh Naylor and Ernie Clement and a bunch of other young kids leading the charge uh, right now for the Guardians as they are a game out of first place as they head into Minnesota for a showdown with the first place twins this week coming up. Uh, but there's a lot to talk about in the minor leagues as well. As always, I'm Justin Latta this week, joined by Megan Hustling of the, uh, well, he's from, she's from our website, the Guardians Baseball Insider, but she is a student at Ohio State University, um, works at, are you writing at the, uh, the Lantern, among other outlets as well. Uh, the Lantern has been very good to Guardians slash Indians Baseball Insider over the years. Uh, we've had a ton of alumni in the past. We had Jacob Benji last year. Megan's done a great job for us so far this year. Uh, Megan, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for taking time to do this today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Justin. I mean, Clippers have been so fun to follow this year. Such a successful season, a bunch of new guys to follow, and it's been Super fun to just, you know, write recaps and get to talk to the players after the games and can't wait to talk about this past series, which was definitely an interesting one with you today. Yeah, the Clippers have been on kind of an interesting role lately. Tough series with St. Paul. They had some kind of some ups and downs, some good games and some some blow ups in between. Um, but they're in the middle of a very interesting season. I think the roster is only to get more interesting. We're going to get into that as well. Uh, Megan, why don't you just give our, our listeners and our, our fans of the site a little bit of background on you, how you got into sports writing, and uh, kind of what you want to do. Yeah, so I'm going to be a junior at Ohio State this fall. I'm majoring in journalism, but specifically I want to go into broadcasting, sports broadcasting, of course. I've just always been interested in sports. I played all kinds of sports growing up. I played softball all throughout high school. Um, so baseball has always been my favorite sport to watch as well. So I'm super excited to have this opportunity to follow a baseball team like the Clippers this season. And I'm just so happy to be with Guardians Baseball Insider as well. It's been a great experience so far. Yeah, I've done a really great job. For those who are not following Megan so far, it's uh, Megan Hustling, H-U-S-S-L-E-I-N on Twitter. Uh, make sure you're following her, not only just for uh, you know, Guardians Clippers stuff, but also did some good stuff before the draft. I saw on a couple of the receivers from Ohio State. And then that piece you just had on on uh, Justin Fields is really good. So a lot of good work uh, right now. You've been pretty busy between the draft and some NFL stuff and stuff with us. So definitely keep up the good work there. Uh, definitely enjoyed that. I'm looking forward to another Buckeye season myself. Uh, we'll have Teddy back on for, for more Buckeye stuff if we ever get bored uh, at the end of the season. Megan's also a Yankees fan. I'm not going to throw you under the bus with all of our listeners, but uh, how did you become a Yankees fan? Okay, I wasn't going to bring it up because I didn't want to <laughs> you know, get immediate hate from everyone, but I have a valid reason. My dad is from New York, so it's not like I just hopped on the bandwagon. So he's been a Yankee fan his whole life. His dad has been. So just pass it on to me. And I mean, it could be worse. I'm very happy that I'm a Yankees fan because, man, they are having an amazing season. And obviously, their past success is undeniable. So I'm very happy to be a Yankees fan. But, hey, I have to say, the Guardians might be my second favorite team now because I feel like just following the Clippers and then watching them get called up, I get so excited for them. So I'm just kind of a, you know attached to their success as well. But, yeah, got to say, the Yankees are still my top team. Yeah, and you see the young kids come up, you kind of like to follow them. They're kind of like your kids. That's what I felt over the years is they go up, they have a lot of success. I like to see them graduate and all that. But, no, it's good. It lets you come in and, and give a totally unbiased opinion of, of the players you're seeing. So uh, no hate for being a Yankees fan. Maybe we can eventually get into an Aaron Judge and Jose Ramirez MVP debate that's been <laughs> raging on Twitter uh, later in the year. So uh, we'll get into that later. we got a lot of Clippers stuff to cover. This is obviously going to be a very – Clippers focused uh, episode this week. I'll, I'll cover a couple other storylines throughout the system, but really that's going to be most of our focus this week. Uh, make sure you're subscribing to the podcast, you know, rate review. If you don't give us five stars and you give us anything less than that, tell us why it's not worth five stars. At least let us know why we're not doing good. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter. We got a lot of good content coming this week. 
Uh, Megan just had the Clippers notebook. I think most of our teams are out of town this week, so not a lot of home games in the minor league system this week, but uh, I know Willie's got some draft coverage coming up, and I've got a feature on Tanner Bybee from the captains coming up. Notebooks all week. We'll get back to coverage. I'm sorry, Akron's home this week, so one of the storylines left to talk about is is uh, one of our guys in Akron is going to try to track down the manager and ask him where in the world Daniel Espino is. He's been out since April. Can't seem to get an answer on how that knee is doing, so uh, definitely look out for that this week. I know our guys down there will be pestering somebody to answer that question uh, at some point. Uh, speaking of Akron, Carlos Vargas came back this week. Uh, first time since 2019 he's pitched. He pitched an inning, uh, a lot of hits, struck out a, a batter, and one inning debut. He threw up to 101, so that was really good to see. He looks fantastic. Uh, he recovers from Tommy John. Gavin Williams also pitched in that game, another strong start. Six innings, I'm sorry, six strikeouts in three innings uh, as he reaches pitch limit kind of a bit early. Logan Allen was named Eastern League Pitcher of the Week for his six-inning, 11-strikeout performance last week. Uh, no surprise there. He's somebody we might talk about because uh, he's going to need some time in Columbus here soon. Speaking of that, George Valera, a couple home runs this week, uh, carrying Akron's offense along with Jonathan Engelman. And then, as I noted, uh, we're still waiting for an answer on Daniel Espino. We'll get there. Hopefully, by the time we talk to you next week doing this, we'll have some sort of uh, answer. The last time John was on, we talked about him throwing a bullpen, but he did not. Uh, we haven't heard anything since. All right, Megan, let's get right into Columbus. I think the kind of the biggest thing to look at this week was, uh, there was a lot of things to look at, but Fran Mel Reyes just went through a, a kind of a week-long rehab. Then he played some outfield, uh, was a DH for a couple of games. It looks like he hit really well. Did, uh, your time seeing him in Columbus, did it look like he was, was ready to come back to Cleveland? He was not good uh, for Cleveland before he Got, I don't know, we're calling it an injury, but no one's really sure if he was hurt or if it was a confidence thing because he was playing so poorly. Um, but does he look like he's ready to rejoin the big league club and, and produce again? I mean, based off of this one week, I think so. He had a monster week at the plate. He played five out of the six games, and he finished with the highest batting average for the series on the team. So he finished with a 416 average. He went 10 for 24. And he had six RBIs, and he just looked great. It was nice to see him hit a couple of home runs, too. You know, obviously the Guardians and their fan base would like to see some of that. But, um, oh, I'm sorry, wrong average, 429. But, <laughs> yeah, he had uh, only three strikeouts, which I think was really impressive as well. It looked like he was seeing the ball well. Um, and he got at least one hit in each game, and he had two games with three hits. So, he was just really looking successful at the plate, and he also hit a double, which I think, hey, it was nice to see him kind of speed around the bases and show off that the hamstring has healed a little bit. Um, so I like seeing that power aspect from him as well. And also just kind of a fun, you know, way to end the weekend on Saturday, he had a RBI walk-off single. So that was great to see from him as well. I mean, it just seemed like he was comfortable out there having a good time, and obviously it showed at the play as well. He just looked really good. Yeah, did you get a chance to see him in the field at all? I know he played right field a couple times, maybe not for the full game. Did you get a chance to see him play out there? Yeah, I saw him out there for a couple innings before he got subbed out, and again, he looked good out there, moving around well, tracking down the ball well. So, I mean, based off this one week, he looked good defensively and offensively, um, ready to go. So, hopefully – we get another productive series from him this week, but yeah, it looked good on both sides of the ball. Yeah. He should be back tomorrow for Cleveland and Minnesota. Anybody's guess who comes back to Columbus or what the move is uh, for him, but definitely looks like he had a good week and uh, looked very good helping out the Clippers offensively this week. I heard he traded the Clippers players to some kind of dinner one time this week. That's always good to hear uh, when rehabbing stars come down to the minor leagues. They, usually treat the team to some kind of nice dinner. Uh, not sure what was on, on the menu for that one, but no surprise, Reyes is kind of a, a class act and a funny dude, so he probably fit right into that that group right there. They've had an interesting group all season. Um, Nolan Jones is another guy who's been back recently. Uh, he had a ankle a ankle surgery to end 2021, and he had some back issues in the spring training. He didn't come back until a few weeks ago. He has been playing right field exclusively since he's come back and, and DHing a couple times. Um, what have you seen from Nolan Jones since he's been back, Megan? Yeah, at the plate, he's looking really good. Um, his This was his second series back. In his first series, he hit the ground running, and he had a few multi-hit games, showed off some power. 
Um, in this series, he kept going as well. He went seven for 21 and he had two RBIs. So overall, he's a 317 average, which the two series, that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, he's just looking more comfortable, more like himself pre-injury. Um, he's just making solid contact at the plate. And one thing I noticed is that he isn't getting too overly fooled by the curveball, which I think is huge in players returning to the field from injury. He just um, is seeing the ball well at the plate. He does have 15 strikeouts and 41 at-bats, which obviously isn't, you know, optimal. But, hey, again, he's still working working his way back, working his way up. But defensively, he looks good in the field as well. Um, moving well, the ankle looks good. And also he has four doubles, so obviously he's moving well around the bases. And, yeah, he's seen the ball well um, too. And this was only a few games that I got to see, but – Based on what I saw, he's looking good from both sides of the plate as well. Well, you were in you were you were in, you interned with the Clippers last year, correct? Yes, yes, I did. I don't know how how closely you had a chance to pay attention to him last year when you were working. Um, if you noticed any differences between you know his play this year so far and what he's done last year, have you did you have a chance to look at that last year and, and just kind of see maybe any any kind of differences this year from last year? I mean, it's kind of hard to tell because last year he played more third base than outfield. So, I mean, it's hard to really judge based on an outfield perspective. But, I mean, he looks good. He looks totally healed from his ankle surgery. He just seems comfortable out there. I mean, it's hard to get too good of a look on him because I was just kind of doing a different job, wasn't really paying attention to every aspect of the game like I am now. But I think he's looking, you know, like he did pre-injury either way. So, I don't know. I'm excited to see his progress and, you know, he gets more comfortable on the field defensively and offensively. But so far, I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. Yeah, definitely been a good start back for him as well. Definitely good for him, good for the franchise, because uh, after that ankle injury and, and missing that time and kind of having a rough season to start last year, um, the repeat to, in AAA this year has gone pretty well for him so far. So good to see there. Uh, Tyler Freeman, another guy who had surgery last year, his season was cut very short uh, due to shoulder surgery, and he didn't come back till you know kind of a couple months into this season as well. Um, overall, hitting 248, 361, 345 with three homers, uh, a couple of our 29, 20, 28 RBIs already, which is kind of a lot for him in 23 games. I'm kind of surprised, but um, what have you kind of liked about Tyler Freeman so far? It looks like he had a pretty good week this week. Yeah, he did have an, another great week. Uh, he went 10 for 24 with six RBIs. So, yeah, like you said, he's just building up that RBI total. But the main thing I liked from him was he had zero strikeouts this entire week. Out of 24 at bat, zero strikeouts. So I thought that was very impressive. He's just seeing the ball well, again, making solid contact. And he definitely helped the Clippers win, I believe it was Wednesday's game. He had two RBI singles which it ended up being a 4-3 win. So without those hits, they would not have won. So it's good to see him, you know, being clutch when needed. He comes up big in uh, necessary situations, but he's just looking great at the plate. I just, I'm very excited to see how he continues to progress as well because he really hasn't cooled down yet. I mean, he just seems to be, you know, building upon his success from each series moving forward. So definitely excited to see what he does this week as well. Yeah, not surprised he's starting to get it together. He only played 41 games all last season in Akron before the injury, and now he's at 41 total this year. So good to see that he's healthy. He's starting to kind of ramp things up, getting on base more. Uh, one of those guys that really kind of fits in right now because you see how the Guardians offense is having success is, is making a lot of contact, not striking out, putting the ball in play, having good at-bats, and, and it seems like Tyler Freeman really fits that mold. So. Uh, seeing him just kind of bring those skills back to the table shows you how close he can be to the major leagues, I feel like, and just fits in with what this franchise is trying to do. Uh, moving on to another outfielder, this outfield, I'm going to bring it up a little bit in a second, but this outfield has had just so much talent this year in Columbus, I feel like. Will Brennan, um, I don't think he had quite a good week this week because he did the week before in Indianapolis where he went 16, and, 16 for 25, which is incredible. I've never seen a a player have a better series than that in the minor leagues. But um, what have you liked about Will Brennan since he's been up in Columbus? Because I feel like, you know, the first couple of games he was trying to find his footing and he has almost hit everything, I think, since he's finally settled in. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to top the series that he had two weeks ago, but 
he he picked it up as the series went on. He did have a couple of over four nights to begin the series, but then he proceeded to have two multi-hit games. So, I mean, it's bound to happen at some point, but he's still hitting really well. He's only had three strikeouts in the entire series. So, again, like you said, he's making solid contact with the ball, seeing it really well. And he's still sitting at a 345 average, so it's not like it just plummeted drastically. It's obviously still great. Um, he had five RBIs in the series as well. So, you know, he cooled off a little bit, but he still picked it back up, still doing well. And he is just a lights out center fielder on defense. He just moves so well. He tracks the ball very well. And there's been a couple of plays that I think should have made sports center top 10. He just, he does not give up on the ball. He'll track it all the way to the wall, make a diving play, make a, you know, a catch against the wall. So I, I love what I'm seeing from him on defense and, Obviously, everyone can tell just from the stats that he's having a bunch of success on offense as well. But he's just a really well-rounded player, and I'm just excited to see how, you know, maybe he can bounce back a little bit more in this series um, at the plate. I'm glad you brought up his defense, too, because we had some questions last week about Will Brennan and, and where his future is defensively. Somebody asked me if uh, I thought he could play center field, and I sure thought so. But it sounds like you think that uh, he could definitely handle center field going forward. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he can just he can move, you know, any way he needs to. He can move back. He's been moving. You know, he can catch balls at the wall and right center, left center. He can just he's quick. He can move really well. Um, he sees the ball really well. So, yeah, I love seeing him in center field. Just been a really good outfield in Columbus this year. And it, it's just now that Nolan Jones is back and uh, Will Brennan got up there, which which is amazing. They had some interesting outfield, you know, they had Anthony Halford for like a week. They had some other guys moving around. Richie Palacios has been down there at different times, but right now the outfield, you know, you have Alex call who had a big hit yesterday. Uh, Will Benson, who I think is having a great year. I want to, I want to get your thoughts on Will Benson as well. And we talked about Brandon Jones, this outfield just, I, I feel like that it's so hard to find a guy every night or just try to find playing time for all these guys. I guess they can rotate them through with DH. And that was kind of harder with Reyes down there in rehab, but, they just have so many outfielders to pick and choose from in Columbus to on any given night, who's going to play where, who's going to come up with a big hit. They've all, they've all done a good job this year. Um, it's just so hard to pick each night who's going to play where and, and who they're going to find playing time for. It feels like. Right. I mean, it's hard when you have four outfielders who have the ability to be starters every night. Um, so yeah, they have been doing a pretty good job of rotating. Um, but like you said, it has been difficult you know, finding a spot for them to line up with Reyes down there because, well, Benson does DH sometimes. All of them do um, at times, but I think he does the most. Um, but, yeah, they are just unreal defensively. I think this is a really impressive outfield, um, like I said, on that side of the ball. But then at the plate, too, they're impressive. Obviously, Nolan Jones heating back up. We talked about Will Brennan. Um, Alex Cole, I mean, I, I must say he's having, you know, a little bit of struggles lately. He still has a 268 average, um, but he didn't have any multi-hit games during this past series. But he'll totally bounce back. He always does. Um, he's always extremely clutch. He always comes through in um, situations where he needs to be. Obviously, he had that Grand Slam Sunday, so hopefully that can kick some things off for him. But yeah, all of them have just looked great on both sides of the ball, but especially defensively. They have great arms. They can track the ball really well. They can all move really well. Um, so, yeah, I'm just really impressed with this outfield that Columbus has right now. Can you believe that the last two years before this year, it has been such a struggle for the Guardians to find competent outfielders offensively, and now we're looking at, at Stephen Kwan and Richie Palacios and – Oscar Gonzalez, who has, has been pretty good in Cleveland, you know, you saw him earlier this year in Columbus, and now you have Benson, Brennan, Jones uh, all playing the outfield down there. Do you believe that the last two years has been has been so desolate in the Cleveland outfield from what we've looked at so far this year? Yeah, honestly, it's, it's really hard to believe, especially, I mean, with you brought up with, you know, some players being called up, and Stephen Kwan obviously had a record-setting start to his season in Cleveland, so... Hey, they definitely got some guys down here in Columbus where they have had extreme success on both sides of the ball. And, you know, Cleveland could definitely use them. But, yeah, I mean, Columbus is outfield. Hey, I think it's one of the best ones in AAA. I'm going to say that right now. They have just had a ton of success. And I'm excited to see, you know, if, if and when they get called up to Cleveland and see what they can do up there.
And at some point, Columbus should have George Valera from Akron coming up to join them. I don't know when that'll be, but uh, definitely should be sometime this season. And I have no idea how they're going to make room to add him, considering what we just talked about. I have no idea where he's going to play, how they're going to make that all fit. Someone's going to have to go. And poor, poor Alex Call. I feel like, you know, I was just saying how the Guardians outfield the last two years before this had been so terrible. I feel like had Call come around a couple years sooner, and played this way, he might have gotten a chance, but now it kind of feels like he's the odd man out because he's a little bit older than the rest of the group, and mm-hmm. I kind of feel like they should trade him with somebody who, who really needs an outfielder because um, a lot of the guys in this offense seem a little bit younger than him, and, and maybe he would have a chance to play somewhere else. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on Will Benson, too. Will Benson, someone I've been rooting for for a long time as a person. He's super fun, super charismatic, obviously a, a very massive human being. He is so tall and <laughs> Um, he's fun to watch uh, on the field just because he's so big and athletic and runs so well. But uh, what have you liked from him so far this year? Because his strikeout rate, uh, he, you know, he still does strike out a little bit, but it's the lowest it's ever been, which is pretty amazing considering where he's been in the past. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he is just a tank of a human being. He's a total lefty power hitter, but I've been liking what I'm seeing. Um, I feel like he's had kind of a bit of a slump in the month of June so far. Uh, He currently has a 234 average. So, you know, I'd like to see him get some more multi-hit games, a lot of, you know, one for four or one one for three games. But he has reduced his strikeouts drastically, though. He only has eight in the month of June, I believe. So, I mean, he's definitely seeing the ball better, making better contact. Um, I would just like to see a little bit more consistency from him, but he still does manage um, to find ways to get on base. You know, he has nine walks uh, this month. He's good for a 400 on base percentage. So he's still finding ways to contribute, you know, get on base. But, you know, I just want to see some more consistency from him at the plate. Um, And I think that could really take his game to the next level. Yeah, he sure has the talent. 10 homers, 13 steals this year. Will Benson certainly runs well for a, a big guy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, on on a not-so-great note, Brian Lavastida uh, looks like he hurt his hamstring over the weekend. He's on the IL. Bo Naylor is, is coming to Columbus to, to fill in. Last year, uh, Brian Lavastida came up late in the season to fill in for another injured catcher up there, uh, only for a couple of games, went back down to Accra. But now it's the other way around. Now Lavastida's hurt, and, and Naylor's up there. Naylor's had a great season. Um, Megan, I don't know how much you've been following him and what he's been doing, obviously having a research and offensive season. Um, but just in general, what would your thoughts be about adding another good hitter to that, the Columbus lineup? Because Naylor, I think, has over a 400 on base percentage this year uh, behind the plate. And, and maybe you can also talk to us a little bit about uh, Brian Lavastida. And he hasn't quite hit the ball well this year the way he did last season. Yeah, I think the addition of Bo Naylor is going to be one of the most exciting things to watch because – the Clippers just need some more production offensively from the catcher position. I mean, Lavasita has a 225 average. Um, now he's on the IL, but they just, that's something they haven't really gotten from that position. And like you said, Naylor, Naylor's experienced a ton of offensive success. He has a 280 average right now. Um, and I think this could be huge for the Clippers. You know, already they have a ton of great hitters and this is just one more to add to the mix, but yeah, Lavasita just hasn't really found his stride this year. His last three games in this series, he went 0-4, and then one game was 1-4. for um, So he's just not seeing the ball well at the plate. He's just swinging at bad pitches. You can just tell he's not comfortable up there. I think maybe he just lost his confidence a little bit. But he just he wasn't hitting in clutch situations. He would always leave runners on base, I noticed, this year. Um, but he just seems to lost his confidence at the plate. And then I was at the game where he got injured, just running down first and pulled a hamstring, um, which it looked bad. I mean, he needed help getting off the field. So hopefully speedy recovery for him. But for now, Bo Naylor is going to take his place. And I'm just really excited to see how he does offensively in particular. I did not realize that he had to be helped off the field. So, yeah, I hope yeah. it comes back fast. But that, that doesn't sound like it was. Uh, it's going to be a quick one, considering I didn't realize how bad it was. Yeah, yep, he had his arms wrapped around uh, two guys, so he couldn't even put any weight on it. So, yeah, it definitely looked bad. I mean, everyone around me immediately knew. They were like, yeah, that's that's going to be a bad injury. So hopefully Oof. we're wrong, but, yeah, it was it was bad. Thanks. Well, 
best wishes to Brian Lavasteed, obviously, on the 40-man roster. Made his major league debut this year and um, had a quick rise last season offensively. Um, let's turn our attention to pitching a little bit, Megan. Peyton Battenfield, I feel like, has been one of the more reliable starters in Columbus this year. He's put up some good numbers. However, um, not striking a lot of guys out. What do you think is is behind his season so far, at least from what you've seen? Um, obviously, the results are, are fine, but I, don't know, I just feel like uh, he's not missing a lot of bats this year. I'm not really sure why. Yeah, I mean, in his last outing on Thursday, it was a great outing, but he went seven strong, only gave it five hits, one run. But he only struck out three, which was something that I noticed as well. But, I mean, it's working for him. He just, he's just finding other ways to get outs. In Thursday's game, he had six ground outs and eight flyouts. Um, and it's just solid defense behind him. Obviously the defense is helping him out, but his, I mean, his repertoire is just working for him. Everything's working well so far, um, especially in the last outing. Obviously that was probably one of his best all season, but it lowered his ZRA to 3.05 and his whip to 1.18. So he just looked comfortable out there. He seemed relaxed, um, not getting too overwhelmed at all. He's just trusting his stuff. And like I said, it's working well. Um, just, you know, using all of his pitches effectively. Um, but, yeah, I'm just liking what I'm seeing from Peyton Battenfield, especially uh, in Thursday's outing. It seems like he is mixing a lot of pitches pretty well then. You know, he's not too heavy with the fastball or not throwing one specific pitch more than the other. No, not at all. That's something I noticed in Thursday's outing. Um, it was honestly pretty evenly split. His fastball, I would say a little bit more over the others, obviously. But, yeah, definitely using great mix of pitches, um, and it, it seems to be working really well. And he's about, what, 91, 94 most, most nights with the fastball, or at least when you saw him on Thursday? Yeah, yep, that's pretty much where he leveled off. And then other pitchers that have been around this season have been, you know, up and down. Never see Tanner Tolley had a rough day yesterday. Uh, Kirk McCarty, you know, is somewhat consistent for the most part. And then I noticed this week, too, that Adam Scott got shifted to the bullpen. So I guess that's a, something to keep up with. The last two outings for him to come out of the bullpen. Um, Joey Cantillo and Logan Allen, like I, I just mentioned, Logan Allen was this Eastern League Picture of the Week. Hunter Gaddis has won that award this year as well, and, and so has Joey Cantillo. All three guys who probably should have a shot to pitch in Columbus at some point this season. Um, mm -hmm. Are there any guys in that rotation, you know, not to say anything bad of what they've done, but just maybe spots that could open up in the rotation by moving any one of them to, to open up for any of these guys in Akron? Is there anybody down there that is struggling or you think that maybe could be moved out of the rotation in favor of maybe somebody else? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, when you look at the past couple of games, Tanner Tolley really struggled. I mean, it was really surprising because he his first five starts, I mean, he went 5-0, and and now he's 5-2 and because he gave up, I think it was 18 hits, I want to say, and he pitched two games during the series. And, yeah, 18 hits, 14 runs. It was just really rough for him, and he just did not look comfortable. He did not have anything working. Um, in his first start, he gave up a grand slam in the second inning. Like, you could just tell from the start he did not have it. And then in his second start, it really wasn't much better either. So Tanner Tully just been – his last two outings were rough. But I don't know if I would say that I would, you know, send him down because he has had a ton of success, you know, before this series this year. So it's hard to say for him. Um, but as for anyone else – I mean, it is interesting that Adam Scott went to the bullpen. Um, but, I mean, McCarty had a pretty – I mean, it was a pretty decent outing um, on Saturday. But I don't know. I don't know if I would send anyone else down. I kind of just would wait it out a little bit. I would like to see maybe one or two more starts from them, see, you know, if this is a consistent thing. But as of right now, I don't know if I would send anyone down. Have you had a chance? I didn't write this down, but did you have a chance to see Tobias Myers this year as well? Mm, I do not believe so, no. Okay, he's another guy that's really struggled. I was just going to see. Maybe that's another guy they, they can kind of create some space for for somebody else because he's had a really rough season, although his last couple starts have been mm -hmm. a little bit better. I don't know that Clippers rotation, I feel like it just, it's been okay. They've been kind of treading water some nights and, um, 
like you said, Tanner Tully was really good early in the season. He's had a couple other other rough starts since then. Yeah. But I feel like the rotation has not, except for maybe Peyton Battenfield really getting things going in the last several starts. I yeah. feel like the rotation has not really been the strong suit of this team this year. Yeah, definitely. Probably the you know weak link on the team. They're just so inconsistent. It's hard to be able to say what you're going to see from them each night. I mean, I mean, like I said about Tarantoli, you expect him to have pretty solid outing like he's had all season, and then he gives up 13 runs. So definitely unexpected um, from him. But, yeah, the starting pitching has just been kind of a guessing game every night. The bullpen's been pretty solid. Defense, offensively, obviously, has been successful. So, yeah, something in the starting rotation probably needs to change. But, like I said, it's just hard because they are pretty inconsistent, I would say, you know, every time they get out there. Yeah, and more arms are coming at some point because the draft is a month away or less than a month away at this point. And, of course, they're going to draft more pitchers. Uh, you brought up the bullpen. James Karinczak, obviously, also in Columbus, uh, rehabbing, too, from, I think, yeah, a terrace major strain, that, that, that back or shoulder muscle. Uh, doesn't sound very fun, but... Um, have you had a chance to see James Karinczak? And if so, what have you thought about him so far? Yeah, so I actually saw him in both of his appearances during this series. And his first one was Wednesday. Um, it was not good at all. <laughs> he gave up two earned runs in two-thirds um, of an inning. But he did bounce back Saturday. He went one and a third while giving up no hits, and he struck out three. So it was good to see that he kind of rebounded and found his stuff. He looked really good on Saturday. But, yeah, it was a little bit concerning to see him in his first outing. He just did not have it and really struggled. But Saturday, he looked good. Um, the velocity was up. So I was I was encouraged to see um, his success on Saturday. Where was his velocity on Saturday? And, and have you had a chance to see the curveball and how that's looked, too? Um, on Saturday, I can find it really quick. Hold on. I wrote it down. If you give me a second. Of course, I read but, it when you when you had the recap in, but it's right. also escaped me since Saturday because it's it's been a week now. Yeah. Um, give me one second. Looks like he did not pitch around, in the 10-0-1. Which one? Yeah, no. Uh, it was around 97 on Saturday, so it did. It was up there. It was 96, 97 at some points. Um, but, yeah, on Wednesday, he just did not have his stuff at all. But, um, yeah, his curveball looked good as well on Saturday. That was something else I noticed. All of his pitches were working well. Obviously, he had three strikeouts. But, yeah, uh, I was definitely encouraged by what I saw on Saturday after Wednesday's game especially. Yeah, I'm interested to see how many more rehab appearances he has because he's missed a lot of time and uh, didn't have a spring training. So I guess we'll time will tell. I mean, I'm assuming they're going to want to see some more consistency out of him. It doesn't sound like he's really had mm -hmm. a ton of consistent success so far. And but it is good to hear the velocity's up, so that means he's at least healthy. And we'll mm -hmm. see where everything else is at. Um, I believe you told me you've seen Tim Heron and Kevin Kelly. The bullpen, I think, in Columbus is really interesting. I mean, Alex Young. Uh, it's not really a big big prospect name. I know his, his stats are, have been pretty good this season. So he's been big for the, out of the bullpen for them. But uh, Tim Heron and Kevin Kelly are two guys I was watching earlier in the year. That I know you've had a chance to see so far. And I don't know if you've had a chance to see Nick Mikulacek either. Um, I know you said you haven't seen Nick Enright and Andrew Misiasek yet because they're kind of new. But uh, what are your thoughts on some of these guys in the bullpen that you've seen so far? Yeah, Tim Heron, I mean, he's been doing great, especially as of late. He hasn't given up a single hit in his past three outings. So I'm really encouraged by what I'm seeing from him. Um, he doesn't have any strikeouts, but he's still getting the job done. So that's encouraging. Kevin Kelly looking good as well. Um, again, he didn't have any strikeouts, but he didn't give up a hit in his past two outings. So that's been good to see. And Nick Mikulajak, he has looked good as well. Um I don't have his stats on me right now, but I remember he he's not relying too heavy on his fastball, I've noticed, which has been encouraging, but he's just been really effective in his past few starts, or sorry, appearances as well. But yeah, these guys in the bullpen have been really solid and just 
you know, keeping their guys in it. If the starters aren't doing too well, which, you know, has been happening, they're giving their team a chance to win. So, yeah, these guys in the bullpen have been doing really well lately. Yeah, things have been going pretty well for Columbus overall, I would say, in general. I'd be curious to see where they finish the season um, in terms of standings. I mean, they're, they're getting Bo Naylor. Obviously, we talked about this week. Uh, at some point, I think they're going to get George Valera, Cleveland's top prospect. They might get some other guys for, you know, here and there, depending on who goes up. They're a game and a half behind Nashville in the International League West right now. I don't believe that they are doing halves in AAA this year as far as who wins the first half, who wins the second half. But I'd have to double-check that for sure. But they're right in the thick of things in terms of, of the standings. They're, uh, like I said, only a game and a half back and a uh, plus-65 run differential. And, and as we mentioned, the starting rotation has not been the backbone of that uh, club this year. So obviously, like you said, the offense, the defense, and the relief pitching must have been pretty good all season. They're 25-11 and 11 at home, too, which does that sound about right? Does it seem like they're... They're uh, doing a lot of good work at home. Yeah, it definitely seems like uh, being in Huntington Park is definitely helping them out. Um, and they're getting, you know, a good amount of fans, too, every night. It's just an exciting season, and I think everyone in Columbus is realizing that, and it seems to be helping them out. So, yeah, I think home field advantage is definitely a thing for this Clippers team this season. Yeah, especially with that ballpark, uh, Huntington Park is, is very hitter-friendly, and Definitely do a good job down there. Shout out to the Clippers and uh, all the good stuff they do, promos, and uh, just make it a really good major league experience. They've got one of the best public address announcers in all of baseball, too, one of the best people out there. Uh, mm -hmm. Really a really good product on the field and just in general uh, in the stands and everything else. They do a good job down there. Is there anybody else in Columbus, anything else going on with the Clippers that I didn't bring up that you think is worth bringing up, or did we kind of touch all the bases there, so to speak? Um, I feel like honestly, we touched on pretty much everyone that, you know, needed to be highlighted this week. I'm sure we'll touch on a few more as we answer some questions, but yeah, I feel like that was a pretty good recap so far. Yeah, we do have one specific Columbus question. We can jump into that real quick before I kind of run through a couple other highlights throughout the week. It was from Quincy Wheeler, a good friend of the site and writer. If you haven't checked out, uh, Quincy's three-part trade deadline manifesto going through, who he thinks might be on the on the table for trades and uh, in terms of who Cleveland would send out and get back and who, wh how they're going to approach things. I highly encourage you to check that out on our site. Uh, he really, really wrote a lot. I think when he sent me the original document, it was 14 pages. And I was like, all right, this is going to have to be like a, a three-parter because I don't think even I am reading 14 <laughs> pages of a story on my own website. So um, that was good, though. Please check it out. But Quincy wanted to get some thoughts on David Fry. So David Fry came over from the Milwaukee Brewers in the J.C. Mejia trade in the offseason, uh, was a catcher in the Brewers system for a little bit, and he has not caught this year. And I, I still can't figure out why, and I know, unfortunately, we have not had as much access to the coaches and players this year as we would have liked, uh, given their earlier season COVID outbreak. Uh, we're still kind of waiting for them to clear that again. We'll see if that, hopefully that clears up soon. But um, he has not caught this year for the Clippers, which is kind of surprising to me, but uh, Quincy wanted to know if he has any potential as a right-handed bench bat in Cleveland, or does he seem like more organizational depth? Because they seem to be finding ways to get his bat in the lineup, despite the fact that you know Tyler Freeman's back and Bobby Bradley's down there again, and, and Trenton Brooks also came back. Yeah, I mean, Fry is just a really an interesting hitter. He is clutch. I mean, I think he's good as a pinch hitter because he does have 19 RBIs on the season. He always seems to come up big when they need him to. But, again, like I said, he's just really inconsistent. You know, he'll have a string of over four nights, and then he'll have, you know, a couple multi-hit games, and then back to the over fours. But I think he might be more organizational depth because he just really – he doesn't really get an opportunity to show, you know, if he is consistent because he's not in the everyday lineup, um, in the starting lineup, I would say. But right now he's sitting at a 266 average, which – obviously respectable but I don't know I would just like to see what he could do if he was in the everyday lineup and you know could find that consistency um but as of now I don't know if he would do great as a bench bat in Cleveland he seems to do better when he plays every day but yeah I think for now we'll just have to see you know what he continues to do in Columbus now he does lead the team with 11 home runs I I really couldn't tell you how many of those home runs are 
ballpark aided, you know, with, with the mm-hmm. dimensions down there, but right. it does lead the, lead the team in homers. Um, I'm just, I am surprised that he hasn't caught this year. I know they needed to give at bats to Brian Labastida, obviously. And, but I mean, mm-hmm. Gavin Collins and, and Mike Rivera have both played uh, a catcher behind Labastida and they haven't had any at bats for, for Fry a catcher. I'm kind of surprised by that. I feel like maybe if he could catch play first and play third, that's a nice guy to have on your bench, um, you know, just as a as an extra option as a catcher and maybe someone who can maybe hit an occasional home run. But I don't know. It, it, I'm just I'm still surprised with the fact that he hasn't caught for them at all this year, considering that's the position he played kind of the most for the Brewers before he came over. But I don't know. With Bo Naylor there, I, I'm guessing that he's not going to be uh, behind the plate anytime soon now. Yeah, I wouldn't think so either. I mean, he is doing well, you know, playing the corner positions, but. Yeah, I'm not sure why either he's not catching. I mean, I guess there's just too many guys in front of him. But he's playing well defensively, um, which is, you know, good to see that he can still play the field. But, yeah, like you said, it would be, you know, a bonus for him if he caught a few games here and there as well. Um, Obviously, Cleveland would love to have a utility guy like him. But, yeah, for now, I guess he's just sticking with the corners and he's doing well with it. So I guess we'll continue to see if, you know, if that changes in the future. Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, they don't have a ton of catchers behind Naylor and Lavastida, so I guess if they really need another option, he could we could go that way. Um, before we move on to any other questions here, I think we've covered just about everything Columbus at this point, so we'll get some other questions uh, at the end. Just wanted to note, Alexi Planez and, and John Kenzie Noel both had a three-homer week for uh, Lake County. Uh, Alexi Planez is still allergic to taking a walk, like Oscar Gonzalez, so he didn't have a walk this week. I don't know how many strikeouts he had, but he had a good week. But the guy just does not like to, to walk. He likes to hit. Uh, but he had a good week hitting, and so did John Kenzie well. But continue to be concerned that all visits are home runs, and he's not really doing a whole lot else at the bat. Uh, Will Dion, Trenton Denholm, and Jack Leftwich all had pretty good weeks for Lynchburg. Uh, Milan Tolentino got promoted last week to Lake County. If he missed that, um, Rainer Locato got promoted to Akron to make room for him. So now the Lake County infield is Gabriel Rodriguez, Milan Tolentino, and Angel Martinez with Christian Cairo on the IL. So very talented there. Guys are starting to move up a little bit. We'll probably see some more movement around the all-star break. And especially after the draft, when guys get cut, uh, let's wrap up with a few questions here. We had one from Chuck about Carlos Vargas's debut. I mentioned that he was up to 101 um, in his one inning of work, had a strikeout, a lot of hit uh, wants to know if he will be a, Reliever started long-term. I've been pushing for them to use him as a reliever for two years now, and this is his first appearance since 2019, and he is on the 40-man roster, so he is a little bit short on time and, and needs to make up for lost time in terms of development. So I would like to see him be in the bullpen. I think he'd be a good option there, but we'll see what Cleveland decides to do. The rotations everywhere are crowded. I mean, we were just we just spent 10 minutes talking about if there's any room in, in Columbus to promote any of these good starters in Akron, and right now doesn't seem to be quite room. So, um adding another starter to Akron if, if they stretch Vargas out into a starter. Seems like it would be hard to do, but we'll see. Um, and our last question of the week was from AZ Crypto. He wanted to hear a list of who could be brought up as early as this year to make an impact. Uh, Megan, since we're talking about Columbus, is there anybody down there that you're seeing, obviously besides um, Reyes and Karen Shack who are on, on rehab since, but anybody else down there that you feel like is ready for a shot at the big leagues and could help Cleveland right now, considering they've already got the youngest club in baseball? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, it might be kind of obvious, but Will Brennan seems to be major league ready, in my opinion. Both sides of the ball, he's just seeing so much success. Like I said, I think he could play any outfield position. Obviously, center field is the hardest, and he's doing exceedingly well at it. So I think he could definitely be a big league center fielder, and he's seen a ton of success at the plate, too. I mean, he said he won an award um, last series, I believe. Um, But, yeah, he's just doing great on both sides of the ball. He's super comfortable out there. So I think he could definitely be ready to take that next step and, you know, be called up to Cleveland and see some success there. Any of the pitchers you think uh, are ready for a shot at the big league club, whether it's a starter or reliever? I, I mean, from the starters, the only one that I think (laughs) could be ready would be Peyton Battenfield. Uh, Obviously the others are having a lot of struggles right now, but Based on what I saw just off of Thursday, I was super impressed. And he's just been, you know, I was looking at the stats, and he's just been 
doing well all season. So I think Battenfield could get a shot um, and do well in Cleveland. I'd like to see him have a few more starts in Columbus to make sure he, he was ready and, you know, he's consistently doing well. But I think Battenfield could be the most viable option for Cleveland at this point out of the starting rotation. He does have to be on the 40-man roster at the end of the season to protect him from Rule 5 draft. Uh, we had Peyton on the podcast earlier this season, so if you didn't have a chance to go back and check that out, really good interview. Really took a lot of time to talk to us about pitching and uh, playing in college and his brother pitching and all the other good stuff. It was a really good interview. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, I highly recommend it. Um, it was a long podcast, so if you if you have a long drive, um, I you can dial that in and, and probably take care of most of it, depending on where you're going. All right, Megan, we do this every week, the player of the week pick. So uh, whoever, you know, we, we each pick two players, a hitter and a pitcher, and uh, whoever ends up with the best week, uh, we determine a winner. It's been rough sledding for me this year. We've had uh, Willie Hood, my usual co-host, and John Elrod has been on this year. And um, right now I am 1-5, and five, and Willie and the field are 4-2. and two, So it's not been a good season for me, and I'm going to let you – uh, pick between me and Willie last week. I'll give you our our, our players and the, the stats, and you can give me an unbiased opinion of who had a better week. I think I already know where this is going to go, but we'll see. So, <laughs> um, I had Hunter Gaddis and Milan Tolentino. I'll say Hunter Gaddis, I believe, had uh, five. I'm sorry, seven innings last week. Five strikeouts, three hits, two runs allowed. He walked to allowed a homer. Um, Willie picked Joey Cantillo as his starter last week. Uh, Joey Cantillo went five and two thirds innings, but he struck out nine, uh, allowed five hits, one earned run, three overall, three walks. Um, I took Juan Tolentino, not as great offensively this week. He was really good in, in Lynchburg and uh, has not quite hit in, in Lake County so far. He had, let's see, uh, three hits all week. Yeah, really good. And really took Will, Will Brennan, who you saw this week. He had. Uh, Let's see, he had five hits himself, uh, and, and all five of those came in the last three games of the series. So, And he also had his first AAA home run this week as well. So uh, you want to go ahead and just uh, knock me down the standings a little bit more, or do you think that um, Hunter Gaddis did any, any better to save me? <laughs> I think it's closer than you might think. I mean, the, they're pretty similar weeks for you know both pitchers and both hitters. But I think... You know what? I'm gonna give you this one. I like, I like Gaddis's outing better than Joey Cantillo's. I mean, he went, you know, seven innings, so an inning and a third further than Cantillo, and he only gave up what, one, two runs? You said? Yeah, two runs. Cantillo got charged with one earned, but he gave up three overall, so two run earned. But yeah, Gaddis only allowed two total in the seven innings. And then Gaddis went a little bit further. So, you know what? I'm going to give you the win this week. I did not twist her arm, just so everybody knows. I, she did not know the stats before we did this, so no, this was not. totally totally off the cuff. No no script here. So, All right. Cool. So I'm two and five. I feel like I got my second win. I feel like it's been a long season for me. All right. Uh, since you are the guest this week, I will let you pick any two players you want um, to see if you can beat me again this week, or if maybe I can get another win. We'll see. This is the first time I've won since April, literally. So, um, Megan, who are you picking for player of the week this week? Yeah, so I'm obviously going to stick with uh, Columbus players, and it's probably obvious because I've been hyping them up this entire podcast, but hitter of the week, I'm going to go with Tyler Freeman. I mean, he's just sitting so well, and I expect him to keep it going. He hit 416 last week. I think he's just going to have another monster week and build on that. And then for Pitcher of the Week, I'm going to go Peyton Battenfield, the only reliable starter in the Clippers rotation right now. Uh, again, he had a great outing this past week, and I think he's going to have another one this week. So those are my two players of the week uh, this week. Both pretty good picks. I'm going to kind of split here a little bit. I'm going to go with Joey Cantillo, uh, who didn't get picked last week, but I feel like uh, I'm not going to go back to the well with Hunter Gaddis this week. Uh, and Cantillo has been pretty good this season overall. And I'm going to go with new Clipper, Bo Naylor. I'm going to say that his first week with the Clippers is going to go pretty well as they head out to Omaha uh, this week for a series with the Storm Chasers. That'll be um, an interesting one. The, the Storm Chasers have a bunch of interesting prospects, uh, even though the Royals are kind of a, a strange team right now, and they have been a strange team. But that'll be an interesting series to follow. 
uh, as they head out there. They're actually going to be on a long road trip, so no trips to Huntington Park anytime soon, Megan. They're on Omaha right. this week, and then they head to Iowa after that, so they are not back in Columbus, um, I believe, until after July 4th. Is that what it, I'm, this, the schedule froze on me? I'm trying to get um, to it, but yeah, July 4th will be the first game back. So it's going to be a few weeks for them, yeah, on the road. Yeah, they'll host Nashville that week. They, act, they actually are in action. So normally the minor league teams are off on Mondays, but Columbus this year, because they're special, uh, has played on Memorial Day Monday, and they've played, they're playing on July 4th on a Monday, and they'll have Tuesday off. Um, and then they'll get back to the series with Nashville on the 6th or the 10th, and they host Indianapolis. So they go on the road for 12 games in 13 days, and then they'll come home for... 12 games in 13 days, so um, Megan's off the hook. She can enjoy a couple of weeks uh, hanging out, doing whatever she's doing with her summer while the Clippers are out of town. Uh, Megan, thanks for jumping on and doing this. Did a great job. Did a, done a great job all year so far uh, covering the Clippers. If you want to shout out your Twitter, your stuff at the Lantern, any other the stuff you're working on so everybody knows where to find your work. Yeah, first off, thank you for having me. This was so much fun to talk about the Clippers and their success this past week. But you can follow me on Twitter at Megan Hustline, like uh, you said earlier. And then if you honestly just want to Google my name, if you're interested in any of my other work, um, that'll pop up with The Lantern as well. And I'm also a writer for Land Grant Holy Land. Um, so, yeah, just write for a few different organizations. But appreciate all the support. And thank you again for having me on. And she waited the whole podcast to tell me that I pronounced her name wrong. And she didn't even tell me. <laughs> I said okay. it wrong earlier on the podcast. You just, you just totally let it go. I'm used to it. You know, 19 <laughs> years of it. It's totally fine. Yeah. I've been there too. Not probably not quite as bad. Anyone can say Lada or Lada. It, it depends on who you ask and <laughs> right. what part of the country they're from. So thanks for being a good support of that all. Sorry about that. You definitely could have interrupted me and told me I was an idiot way earlier on, but um, yeah, no thanks worries. for that. And thanks for, for being on. And, uh, yeah, make sure to give her a follow and, and check out her stuff at the Lantern, Land Grand, Holy Land. I, like I said, I really enjoyed your college football stuff. Um, I know you're excited for the Jets this season, too. And um, I'm personally excited for more Buckeyes this fall. I think it's going to be a fun one. But uh, we will have you back on again before the end of the season if you have time for us. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, hey, I'm always down to talk Clippers, but also excited to talk about Buckeyes, too. And even if you want to go pro. So I'm happy to talk about anything. Um, it's a super fun. So, yeah, excited to be back in the future. Yep, lots to talk about the Clippers. Love some more players coming their way. And I have a feeling we'll be seeing some postseason baseball uh, for the Clippers, the way the roster is shaping up right now. So we'll have Megan back on. Thanks for tuning in this week again. Make sure you're following us on, on Twitter. For me, it's JL underscore baseball. For the site account, it's official underscore CGBI, guardiansbaseballinsider.com. Great time to be a subscriber, as always, with the draft coming up. Um, Akron's back in town, so we'll have game reports in Akron. Everybody else is kind of on a break right now, or at least out of town, I should say. Uh, Lake County is out of town, but we'll have some features, some other good stuff coming up. So, as always, great time to subscribe, great time to read, great time to follow our writers, great time to subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back with you next week.